0: Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We're reading in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, last time we read Deuteronomy chapter 4, and that was where God was urging Israel to follow his laws, to follow him, to obey God. Now, this time, in uh, chapter 5, we're ready to read. This is going to be about the Ten Commandments again. Now, remember, they're getting ready to go across the Jordan and possess the promised land. And God is recounting and going through all these things with them so that they'll be encouraged and remember to do the right things. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 5. I am reading in the Amplified Bible. Then Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments legal decisions, which I am speaking today in your hearing, so that you may learn them and observe them carefully. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain from the midst of the fire. I was standing between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and did not go up the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol as an object of worship, or any likeness, form, manifestation of what is in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them, or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous, impassioned God, demanding what is rightfully and uniquely mine. visiting avenging the iniquity, sin, guilt of the fathers on the children, that is calling the children to account for the sins of their fathers, to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing graciousness and loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I want you to notice a difference there and what God is saying, yes, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of those who hate me, going to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, who are against God, right? But showing graciousness and loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. When you turn to God, All of that iniquity goes away. When you come to the Lord, and He sanctifies you, and He cleanses you of your sins, all of that goes away. Okay, I just want us to see that and realize that. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That is, irreverently, in false affirmations or in ways that impugn the character of God. For the Lord will not hold guiltless nor leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain, disregarding its reverence and its power. Now, this could be partly why the Jews stopped saying the name of God, Yahweh. Is that, you know, they didn't want to take the name of God in vain, they didn't want to be irreverent, they didn't want to somehow impugn the character of God by using it incorrectly or saying it incorrectly. I just mention that as an aside, because this would be a very important thing to them that he's telling them. We should also consider that and think of that in a very realistic way. When we refer to God, when we refer to the Lord, when we refer to Yahweh, now, technically, Yahweh is the name. The other the other words are titles or, um, like, God is really a generic term, but the way we use it is it is the God of the Bible. But regardless, when we refer to God in some manner, be it Yahweh or the Lord or God, we should take that seriously and not, you know, not somehow use it irreverently or definitely not use it for false affirmations. That's basically lying. And we don't want to, you know, as a Christian, we do not want to cause the character of God to to be shown in some bad light. We want to make sure that we're accurately portraying the Father the way He is. We want to make sure that we get that right. So... Again, a little more to think about there. That's, that's a pretty serious commandment right there when we think about it. That doesn't mean we should overdo it and take a lot of things to an extreme. But, because like the Jews, you know, they, they got to where they wouldn't even say the name of God, and that's going to a different extreme, to such an extreme that that some knowledge and information is lost, and that was not God's intent with this. So, Alright, let's continue on. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, set apart, dedicated to God, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God, On that day you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock or the stranger who stays inside your city gates, so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember with thoughtful concern that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor, respect, obey, care for your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that your days on the earth may be prolonged, and so that it may go well with you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. That is, lie, withhold, or manipulate the truth against your neighbor, any person. You shall not covet. That is, desire, and seek to acquire your neighbor's wife, nor desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So I want us to stop here for just a moment. If we look at honor your father and your mother, and it says here, it says also respect, obey, care for, When it comes to honoring your parents, all of these things apply. We should have some respect. We should care for, definitely. And we should obey our parents. Now, I know there comes a time when we're an adult and we have to live our own life, and that's understood, that's okay. But when we're young, we need to obey them. And when we're older, we still need to respect them and care for them. Sometimes, depending on your relationship with your parent, that can be difficult. But, that's something we need to do as much as we can. There are different relationships out there. There are people who have different relationships with their parents. And sometimes it's problematic. And so we do have to use, I was going to say common sense, but we do have to use some loving Sense and wisdom from God really to deal with these relationships. If your parent is a real abusive person, that may change how you do this, but you could still be respectful, even if it means that maybe you're not in their life as much because they're very abusive. There's still things we can do to still be respectful and to care for them as long as we're not putting ourselves You know, in real danger or in real risk, there's, there's some issues there sometimes, especially I'm thinking of an abusive, uh, relationship. So there, there is some judgment that has to be used. Okay. But by and large, for most of us, it would be correct and right to respect and care for our parents throughout the rest of our adult life, especially as they get older, they're going to need some, they're going to need some help in some ways. So, I think you shall not murder. I think that is uh, pretty normal. I don't think that's anything unusual that uh, people would not understand. You shall not murder in verse 17. There's a note on that that I want to read to you. It says, or commit homicide. In general, prohibits one from acting on one's own initiative to deliberately take or maliciously cause to be taken the life of another, meaning that we are acting deliberately to murder someone, kill someone, whether we are doing it ourselves or whether we're planning it with others to have it done. Both are still murder, okay? And both are malicious, if you notice the use of that word. Then we want to look at verse 18, You shall not commit adultery. Now on that, there is a note here about what Jesus said, and I want to read that. Jesus extended this commandment in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. Not only is adultery forbidden, but also the act of looking at a woman with lustful sexual desire which would include indulging oneself in pornography. So, the idea, the way Jesus brought this forward, was that simply the act of lusting and desiring is a sinful thing. When we choose to think on things that way, when we choose to be lustful of someone else, whether it be another woman or another man, you know, depending on who you are. It is basically like committing adultery in our hearts. So that was what Jesus was telling us that we should not do that. We should not, you know, allow our thought lives to be consumed with things like that. That will, it will pull you in wrong directions and it will hurt your relationships with your spouse. So whether you're a man or a woman, you should not be lusting or desiring of someone else. You should focus that energy on your spouse. That's the idea. Now, if we look at verse 20, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. They really break this down pretty good. We shouldn't lie or withhold information or manipulate the truth against our neighbor, against anyone, really. So we shouldn't lie, we shouldn't withhold information or manipulate the truth against anyone. That's not the same as like I bought somebody a present and I withheld that information until I give them the present and let them open it. That's not the same thing. What we're talking about is a malicious intent or maybe a selfish intent to lie or withhold information. In the act of withholding information, it does require a certain amount of judgment. It doesn't mean we need to always blurt out everything we know to everybody. But there's a time, and especially when we're thinking of like in a court case, or someone's in trouble over something, and you withhold information that would somehow help them, or exonerate them, that is wrong. See, that's that's the intent there. You're you're doing something wrong when you should be giving that information to exonerate that person to clear the problem up so that they know, you know, like if if Fred is accused of calling Bob, you know, a dirty rat and, you know, that's not true because you were there and Fred never said that. And you withhold that information when Fred's in trouble, well that's that's wrong. You know, you should go ahead and give that information out so that Fred can be his name can be cleared up. And I know that's a silly example, but you could think of that as stealing or murder or assault or anything. You know, maybe they ran a red light or didn't run a red light. You know, if you can give valid, truthful testimony to help someone, you should do that. Now, if we look at verse 21 on the coveting, now coveting is a different thing. I've said this before, and it's not the same as recognizing a good idea. You might see a friend of yours, and they may have purchased a particular vehicle or tool that you go, oh wow, that is a that's a good tool, or that's a good vehicle. I'm going to get one of those. That's not coveting. That's recognizing a good product or a good idea and saying, wow, I'm going to do that because that was a good idea. Coveting is when you desire and seek to take away from someone what they have. When you want your neighbor's wife, well, you want her for yourself. You don't want him to have her. If you want your neighbor's house, you want to take it from them, you don't want them to have it. There's a certain maliciousness to coveting. It's not just coveting, I want something like that. It's coveting, I want that and I want to take it away from them. And there's a certain amount of greed that goes with it too. I want that to be mine. So notice all the things listed here could be things that you would covet, and you would want to take away from them, that then they wouldn't have it. If you take it from them, they will not have it. Their wife, their house, their field, these are things that if you take it away from them, they will not have it. The same with their servants and their their animals. Again, if you take it away from them, they won't have it. It's not quite the same as recognizing a a good product and a good tool. Now, you might see their ox and say, oh, I need to get an ox like that. That's okay. Again, you're saying, wow, he's got a good animal. I need to find me a good animal like that. You're not trying to take his animal. But in this, we're being warned to not have that desire to take things from other people for ourselves, especially when we're doing it in such a malicious way, we're like, I want that, I want to take that and keep that for myself, and you cannot have that. There's a certain selfishness that goes into that whole coveting thing. It's something we have to look at and recognize for what it is. All right, let's continue. The Lord spoke these words with a grave voice to all your assembly at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire the cloud, and the thick darkness, and he added no more. He wrote these commandments on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire, you approached me, all the leaders, heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen today that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now then, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer, then we will die. For who is there of all flesh, mankind, who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire, as we have, and lived. You, Moses, go near and listen to everything that the Lord our God says. Then speak to us everything that the Lord our God speaks to you, and we will listen and do it. Now here, the people are admitting that the power and the glory of God and the way his voice is and everything, that it it scares them, it frightens them, and they believe that they will die. So they are very willing to have Moses be the one that intercedes, that goes between them and God. I mean, that's what they're really asking for. The Lord heard your words when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They have done well in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear and worship me with all filled reverence and profound respect, and keep all my commandments always, so that it may go well with them and with their children forever. Go and say to them, Return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me, and I will tell you all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which you shall teach them, so that they may obey them in the land which I give them to possess. Therefore you shall pay attention and be careful to do just as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left, deviating from my commandments. You shall walk, that is, live, each and every day in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live, and so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long in the land which you will possess. So I want us to pay special attention to what God is saying here. It still applies to us today when we walk, that is, live each and every day in the commandments of God, when we walk and live according to what He has told us to do. And I'm looking specifically now to the Gospels from Jesus. But when we walk and follow our Lord, then we will live, and then it will be well with us, and we will live long. So, there's a certain promise here. If we will walk in God's commandments, if we will follow what he says, then we will live, we will have a good life, and it will be well with us. See that? So, these are promises that he gives us. It doesn't mean we won't ever have any trouble or that everything will always be like super easy and you can just like cruise along. No, the Lord will still ask, a lot of things of us we still have this requirement to share the word of god but our life will be a lot better following him when we follow what he has taught then things will be well with us in verse 29 it says oh that they had such a heart in them now this is the lord speaking that they would always keep my commandments so that it would go well with them and their children forever. So there's definitely an implication here that if we will follow the Lord properly, if we will always follow God, that things will go well for us. We can have our faith and trust in Him. And He will take care of us and watch over us. So I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.